This is Jan Cox, talk number 2570, recorded August 28th, 2000. What I keep saying over and over in different ways and, uh, in fact, in the same way, that is the fact that as simple and obvious as it seems once you see it head on for yourself, that is the fact that you try and study your mind and it's an illusion that you can't find it. There's another way of looking at it. There's more than another way of looking at that. There's a whole other, shall we say, side to this, which those of you who have been reading my new feature, I finally got around and I mentioned it in what I wrote today that was posted, and so I decided to go ahead and bring it up with you people in some detail. It's not only this fact. Let me say it again quite clearly. That's not a damn fact, by the way. You know that. It's just something I made up. All these years, I've had nothing better to do than I got all involved with this thing at one time that they called trying to wake up, and I started, once I figured out what was going on, then I kept looking at my mind and going, well, this is weird. In fact, I thought, well, what's going on there is weirder than any book I've read by any Sufi, any Zen master. There was no comparison. So I got all entangled with that, just to tell you the truth. And uh, this is just one of the things I made up about it. But it's this. And, of course, you can check it out. Uh, I came to the absolute conclusion, without any doubt, of what waking up and being enlightened was since I had been in those states. And then I understood what they were, and all it is is in the mind. All it is from one view. All it is from one view, and this view, of course, I made up this view. The view is that it's the mind suddenly being able to turn fast enough and in such a way that the mind, your mind, that is any person's mind, that your mind turns and looks and sees the mind in toto for what it is. Now, I assume that all of you who have been reading took my advice about staying away from men in tight white pants <laughs> who hang around with... I wonder how many people... I liked it, obviously. <laughs> that if turning the mind on itself and it being able to see itself, that is the reality. That is the foundations. That is everything that's behind the experience of being awake and being enlightened. Which I say, for what reasons, I'm not sure. But that I continue to point out that I have grave and serious doubts that few people who ever experienced big-time awakening slice enlightenment even more than once, ever pursued it, much less ever got to the bottom of it, which is simple as shit, and that is it was the mind, who's ever mind, Buddha's mind, your mind, my mind, suddenly turning and seeing what it is. The mind understands itself, sees itself, etc. This in spite of the fact that I say it can't be done. This, in fact, of, in spite of the fact of me saying that when the mind looks to see itself, it's not there. Because you don't have, I hate to say this, I made this up, but it's true. You don't have but one mind. So how can that one mind go, well, let's see, what will I do today? And it stand up from wherever it's sitting and walk away a few feet and then turn around and look at itself and go, oh, <laughs> it's not possible. All right, here is another whole universal view of it 
explanation of it, map of it, thing I made up about it. Take your choice. It's not only the fact that when the mind tries to look at itself, there's nothing there because you only have one mind. And the idea that the mind can conceive of itself must be erroneous. How can anyone be so foolish as to ever get entangled in that other than me? And I'm estimating several hundred thousand, well, several thousand people throughout history. How could anyone, how could anyone fall for that? How could anyone undertake such an obviously erroneous task? And to know beforehand what they're doing, that it's my mind attempting to understand itself and going for it, with it for years, and it never striked them, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's my mind, yes, my one mind, yes, the only mind I have in my brain, yes, the only thing in my head, yes, that one mind, yes, and it is going to undertake a study of itself, yes, and you haven't, how long have you been doing it? Oh, 25 years now, and you haven't noticed anything, shall we say, curious going on, and I say, no, what do you mean by that? They go think about it. And I thought about it. Now I realized that every time that the mind looks at itself, tries to, there's nothing there. It's not mysterious. There's only one mind. How can it look at itself? How can people, to take it further, how can people fail to realize why they can't remember themselves? For instance, to take that great method. In spite of the fact, as I said, I've... I've met and heard from people that can, <laughs> which, figuratively speaking, is frightening. You know. I, I do not respond to those people. <laughs> I used to try and patch their letter back together and say, uh, tell them that I have moved or died so they won't. But at any rate, back to the other view of it, which I find just breathtaking. Now, remember, I have already established or tried to with you, tried to challenge you to get with the program and to save yourself 25 years and to realize that what this whole thing is about, whatever you thought it was, whatever you called it when you started, however you think about it now, it's about, I'll say you understanding your mind, but by now you should know there is no you outside your mind. Because what you're after is not your hand to understand your mind or your liver or your stomach. It's only your mind that's willing to do this. There is nothing else. You have a thought that says, I want to wake up. You have that thought because you heard about that thought one time. Now you have it. And that thought believes that it is superior to all other thoughts. It believes that all other thoughts are asleep, deluded, confused, and unworthy. And of course, I agree. When I, when I am that thought. But it is only the mind that's attempting to wake up. So, in other words, it's only the mind attempting to see itself. And I say that when it does, it can't find itself. There's nothing there. But now here's the other one. I say, now listen, so that, because it's not going to make sense at first. You're going to think you misheard me, but you will be hearing me correctly. I say that the mind does not exist until it looks for itself. 
Well, it's Monday and I can't resist pressing on with it. May I speak on behalf of all reasonable minds, speaking on behalf of all you people, that you say, well, that's, that is certainly not true, or that can't be true. Yes, you're right. Except, it's even more astounding than that. The mind does not exist, I say, until it looks for itself. See, which is almost the opposite of me pointing out when the mind does look for itself. That is, just try to study itself. It can't find itself because it is itself. And so it has nothing to study. But, now here's the new one. I say, forget that for the moment. Well, you don't have to forget it. Go ahead and remember it. Because this appears to be almost the opposite, if not the exact opposite. I say that the mind does not exist until it tries to find itself. Now you can say, your mind can say, well, that is obviously not true. And here's my response. Are you ready? Prove it. To yourself, not me. Prove it. I say, make sure you got it straight. I say, and I want you to be confused. That is, I, I want you to be uncertain as to whether I mean this literally or figuratively. I want you to be confused about it. I mean it literally. But I want you to be confused about it. Oh. I say, your mind does not exist until it goes looking for itself. And your mind says, well, that's not true. That's silly. And then I said, prove it. To yourself, prove it. Does anybody get it? It may take you a couple of times. You may have to get out of here and away from me talking about it. But consider it. Now, if you got it straight, I say that no one's mind, the mind in a human, does not exist until it looks for itself, until it attempts to look at itself, until it attempts to self-remember, to wake up, to observe itself, all of that. I say that it does not even exist until then. And your mind says, rightfully, I predict now, I know it's true, your mind says, well, that is silly, times ten. It is simply not true. And I say to you, prove it to yourself. That is the cure for all headaches. Oh, it may take a while. I mean, you, I mean, you take an aspirin, it doesn't work instantly. Still to me, what is more astounding that I can't describe, and I keep bringing it up, but I always admit I can't describe it, is that everything humans do that is not physical in nature, that is not dependent upon some physical movement, is all in the mind, including this. Every single drop of this. As exceptional as it seems. As otherwise as it seems. And, at least you think I'll lay on that too much, consider everything else. Every other thing in the world that does not require physical action of some kind is not based upon something, does not require something tangible to be present. That every other thing is simply a concoction of the mind and even though we live in the midst of it, my secondary reality, even though our lives would not be even livable. It wouldn't be recognizable without that reality, without that secondary reality. 
if it was suddenly taken from us, ordinary people, based upon our past history of having it, I would surmise, I would predict that people would go mad. Life would be unthinkable in the figurative sense, unlivable, perhaps in the semi-literate sense, literal sense. Look how much of your life is taken up with something other than eating, something other than working for your food, something other than having to go out and plant the food, something other than having to defend your household against intruders. Look how much of your, how little of your life is taken up with the actual physical actions necessary to get you through the day. All of the rest of it is imagination. That always sounds perhaps too strong to start with, with ordinary people, because they use that word so commonly. It is simply not there, and it, had, it would not be there had it not been for men's minds. And something I spoke about twice for the last two times that I brought up again last time, if you recall, that I was uh, saying that it, I could see quite clearly. It's not that important if, that you take this in a literal sense, but that I could see quite possibly that the beginning of human consciousness, when it first started in the brain, that area of the brain that we call consciousness, its activity began to talk and we could hear it, that we had the ability, our brain had the ability to both talk and to hear itself talk. The dawn of consciousness, that at first there was quite possible that men, that's what they began to call God. That was the origins of it. There's no way to prove it one way or the other, but it is certainly feasible. And of course, I may know more than that, but we'll let it go at that. It is feasible. It is a better explanation of the idea of gods and supernatural forces than anything else. It's the only one. There's one other aspect I didn't mention in my ramblings about that. If that were true, and I'm hinting very likely that it is, that my description is quite close to the mark. Then how about this? Our brain, in that area of its operation known as consciousness, the mind, the mind knew what it was doing. The mind knew that it made up this idea to explain the voice. Why did our minds do that to us? Now say to us, to humanity in general. Why did the human mind eons ago, whatever the hell they are, when consciousness first began to blossom, function, why did our minds Go, ooh, I'm hearing voices inside my head. What could it be? And then, gradually, it had to be fairly quickly, though, or I guess people would have thought, I was going to say that they were going crazy, but they didn't have a word for going crazy. Nobody had ever gone crazy before. So. so, anyway, we'll assume in short order, someone says, it's supernatural forces. And then somebody, I imagine, will begin to turn philosophical, some early person, and thought, well, where'd we come from? What's the meaning of all this? What's this whole thing about being alive? And they thought, well, 
we notice other things that come into creation. We've learned how to make a wheel, and it takes somebody to make it. Or we've learned how to make pots to hold our food in, cups. But it takes somebody to make it. It's something new here that we've created, but it took a creator. Aha. So maybe we have a creator. Something had to create all of this. And they called it God. Based upon consciousness, based upon the human brain beginning to talk to itself. But I say, and I, you can see this, if all of that has some validity, which I insist it still does. If it had any validity, then if you think about it just for a second and take my description, which is not unfair then you would have to come to also this conclusion that the mind knew what it was doing because the mind is making up all of this. The mind is the source of all of it. The voice itself. In other words, the voice itself is saying, yes, I'm God. Of course, it doesn't seem that way. If you know by now how the mind operates, the mind thinks this could be God. But the mind doesn't realize this is me talking. I mean, that's the problem you've got or the situation you have when you have the brain talking and the brain listening. There seems to be a speaker and there seems to be a hearer. So the point being, if you don't, I don't want you to miss it, is the voice itself identified and went, hmm, it must be, it could be God. It could be the creator of all this. But what it's really saying is, hmm, I could be. Because it's the only voice in there. So I'm saying that it knew what it was doing. And then my question is, why did it do that to us? Why didn't it just say, this is your brain? This is a new operation going on. This is going to come in handy. You'll see it. And plus, I'm a lot of fun. <laughs> well, it, it, it could have just guessed it. It could just guess, like, you know, I, I bet you I'm going to be helpful. And I bet you if you ever have any free time, I mean, what the hell? I got to be fun. I'm free. I'm in your head. It's not like having to talk to your, you know. Mother-in-law or some you know, crazy Uncle Charlie. You know, it's me in here. It's you. It's just me and you, buddy. Why didn't it do that? Beyond all of my many, and I say fascinating and informative models of the brain and the mind, I want to tell you this. There's one beyond any that I have ever described because there has got to be one beyond anything of which I'm capable of thinking, me or anybody else. And I can damn near see it, though, which I try to encourage you. I say it's surely only possible. It surely only happened with me because of the fact that I have relentlessly continued to come up with new views of it. Whether I'd been talking to you people, I assume I would have done it to myself anyway. I do it constantly more than I can tell you about but I believe that it is due to that continuing insistence, which the point now is doesn't take much effort, that every day, constantly, I can get a whole new view of what's going on. And so, to me, it's almost that I can almost get to this horizon and look over it, which I assume has got to be impossible, and actually see the one description I can't see, the one possible explanation. But I can see enough to where this whole thing's ridiculous. <laughs> ah, ridiculous sounds harsh, doesn't it? The whole thing is really. Uh, what is. Well, all right, humorous. I don't even like that because some people think all humor is sarcasm. 
It's just how about jolly good for those of you with familiarity with the with the British slang vocabulary. The what the biggest part of our lives, people that hear me and read me, most of the world now, the biggest part of your life is lived in the secondary reality. I mean, it's got to be obvious. If, if we measure it by percentage, your involvement in anything resembling direct, specific, singular, primary reality, instinctive reality, it's when you're engaged in sex, when you're eating. That's about it. And we'll have to include what you do for a living. Although, as we all know, none of us, as far as I know, are physically out actually planting food anymore. But it is required for you to be able to <laughs> nourish yourself adequately. I thought I was going to crash on that. At any rate, I assume you can see it. That it's, I don't know the ratio, what, 90 to 95 to 5 percent? You, just, you don't think about it, but the vast, vast majority of your life is spent in the secondary reality. All right. Now, just consider right quick. This whole thing is taking place inside the space smaller than a soccer ball. Literally. And yet the mind goes, well, not literally. And I say... Literally. And it goes, no, it's, it's things going on out here. No, it's not. Don't you see? And it goes, no. And I go, well, that's why they call you asleep. <laughs> Don't you see? It's all taking place inside your head. 95% of your life is taking place inside your head. And I guess if I was talking to a group of ordinary people that would put up for this for a few minutes, had any philosophical inclinations... I could get a lot of them to go to say, yeah, I know what you're saying. I, you know, yeah, I know. But they wouldn't. They would take it to be almost entirely theoretical. Or they might say almost entirely philosophical. That I'm saying, or I'm repeating an old idea that even philosophers, people who seem to have no particular interest in the idea of waking up, have repeated years ago or surmised that a large part of what men call their reality is colored, is weighted greatly by what they think about it. That they're not actually seeing reality as it is, but they're seeing their mind's version of it. And you can get ordinary people, if they're fairly educated or sophisticated, to go, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. They don't. And the proof of it is, if you're ever having a doubt, the proof of it is, all you got to do is tell them, all right, would you agree that most of your life, most of men's lives, or most of your life now is involved with that secondary reality? And if they knew what I was talking about, they'd go, yeah. And I'd say, and you realize it all takes place inside of a space smaller than a soccer ball, that that's the only place it exists? They would then, their mind would then go, no, 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 no. Because to them, I had then gone from a philosophical notion that, they, that their mind could accept or tolerate 
into a literal one. And the mind goes, no, no, no. That secondary reality does not exist only in my mind. It may contribute to it, but it does not exist only in my mind. Where does it exist then, sir? Then, of course, it wants to go. Well, in those buildings over there, in these people's activity. It's not in their activity, and it's not in that building. Something may be going on in that building, but what's going on in that building is still not it. There will be people in there talking about something. Will it not? In one way or the other. You have to go, yeah. You go, so. If they're talking about it, where is it coming from in them? The point, but I didn't make it. I, I, I see a picture that always fascinates me. Is I just glance around and I'm aware of the fact. I just look around at life. That 95% of what everyone is doing at any moment. That their life, their sense of reality in themselves, is tied to, is taking place in the secondary reality. It just is. They're physically here like everyone else. We're all physically here. But 95% of their sense of being alive, their sense of themselves, their sense of reality is taking place, 95% of it, 95% of it, 95% of the time, in their mind. And so you've got all of this out there. In other words, civilization. How about that? You've got all of civilization, and yet I turn around to any one person and realize that all of civilization, all of it, all around the world, will fit in something the size of a man's brain. That you have this thing that covers the entire world. I mean, who can even begin to define the size of civilization? It's everywhere. What I mean by civilization is anything that was not natural on this planet. So just look around you. Stick your head out the door right now. Look out there. And then whatever's in your immediate eyesight expanded all over the world. Everything that was not here naturally, then that civilization. So you know the size of that. It was all put together to fill up a hell of a large box. So then imagine the huge size of that and then realize... In spite of that, it is all taking place. Just look at each person. Just look around. It's taking place. It only exists inside of that not much bigger than two fists inside your head. If it doesn't make you smile, I don't know what will. Plus, if it doesn't eventually wake you up. I don't know what to tell you. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest or just leave us a message.